Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise. I'm your interim host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. Uh, once again, I'm not Nathan Drinkard. Uh, our poor friend is snowed in up in Virginia still. Poor guy still digging out, so doesn't have power. It's a complete mess. Uh, but uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. We're there. Search Drink of Wisdom, like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You guys are tech savvy. You know how this works. So uh, what's going on, Jay? You're stuck with me yet again, twice in a week. Yeah, man. You know, it's uh, it's tough out there in Northern VA. Um, some people... Some people have gl- blamed uh, Glenn Youngkin for the uh, for the bad weather. It's it's interesting because he's not even uh, he's not even governor yet. But anyway, uh, it's yeah great to be with you. Got a packed show today. It's so packed, in fact, that we had to drop the rapids. But uh, I know we'll, we have uh, five. We yeah we got yeah Fab Five coming at you, and we're not gonna burn a timeout like they did when they didn't have one at one time. But yeah, man, great to be with you, brother. All right, man. Well, let's go on into it then. Episode 30, we are talking NFL Week 18 playoff pictures coming in to, well, picture. So we'll take a look at that. We have the college football playoff preview. We have a literal clown show down in Jacksonville. We'll tell you about that coming up. And also, we're going to look at the new madness with the NBA COVID policy and the latest update. But we're going to begin on some of a COVID topic, sort of an MVP topic. The NFL MVP race, of course, getting pretty close to coming down. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, one of the candidates, was kind of uh, once again in the news. He was in the news, if you remember, a couple months ago when he tested positive for COVID. The vaccination stuff had come out. Well, one of the AP writers that votes for MVP, one hub Arkush, hope I said that right, over there in Chicago, he said he would not vote for Aaron Rodgers because he was, quote, a jerk. Um, Arkush pretty much made the the case that he thinks Aaron Rodgers is a huge jerk, a jerk to his team, and regardless of his on-field performance, that he should not be MVP. So, Jay, before we get into the actual MVP race, uh, what do you think about this man's comments and uh, Aaron Rodgers calling him a bum? (laughs) Been a fun exchange. (laughs) Uh I have to, I do have to say in all fairness, I was just, you know, looking up some stuff on this, um, Mr. Hub or, uh, whoever, whoever, whoever this guy is, he has since came out and, you know, apologized, um, probably because he was, you know, getting smoked in the, uh, in the, uh, internet world. So you have that going on, but I, but anyway, you know, that's easy to do, you know, anytime, you know, you say something that's quote unquote incorrect, you know, you have the apology tour, which a lot of times doesn't really help help you. But um, anyway, to the comments he made, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a joke. And I, I really have trouble with people. And I don't want to, you know, disparage people based on, you know, what their family chooses to name them and all. But when you have joke names, like I just I just have trouble taking you seriously right off the bat. Like, I mean, if your name like Hub, like to me, Aaron Rodgers almost did him a favor. Like, I don't know, like. Bum would almost be an improvement of a name at this point. You know, it's almost like, you know, ESPN has a bum on their network named Booger. I mean, what's the difference at this point? So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, that's a that's a really low, you know, cheap way to start, you know, this thing, you know, looking at somebody's name like, well, it's of course they had a idiotic opinion. But no, this is, um, you know, I, I'd like to know, you know, if you if I think it, if you don't like Aaron Rodgers, I think that's perfectly within your right. Uh, I've said I've said that the guy is a diva. You know, we've seen it and I could see this coming. Some of this, you know, stuff has transpired all the way back to when Green Bay drafted Jordan Love. Like you could see like you knew then that like there was, you know, he was showing himself a little bit. And then we saw it this offseason, you know, that that stuff like percolates a little bit more. And he's like, I won't play no more. Like, screw y'all. I want to be traded. All this crap. 
but he ends up coming back. He has another great season. I, th- you know, we'll, we'll get into the MVP nuts and bolts of it. But to, for, for him to, for someone to say that he should be disqualified because you quote unquote don't like him because you think he's a bad guy, you think he's a jerk. Um, can we like put this into perspective and can we get an opinion from um, Mr. Hub about, uh, I don't know, Antonio Brown? Can we get an opinion on him? Can we get an opinion on Henry Ruggs? Uh, how about Vontez Burfick? You know, there's a hope. It's The NFL is not, you, you look at the NFL and there's a lot of, you know, model citizens running around. That's why you have Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees. But not everybody's a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. So, you know, like t- to, to sit here and say, oh, I'm not voting for him because he's a bad guy. I mean, th- maybe that is so, but there's nothing like criminal there about Aaron Rodgers. Now, maybe you want to sit here and say, well, he's not vaccinated and he uh, mischaracterized uh, his vaccination status. Like, oh, well, that maybe that's criminal. No, it's not. Stop. So, you know, I think it was um, obviously his comments were um, they're not they're not something we should take seriously. We should laugh at him. Uh, I think, you know, I think, um, you know, if he legit believes he was wrong and then comes out and, you know, retracts what he said and now. Uh, you know, I think I think we should look at that in, in some bins. But at the same time, like you said what you said, and I think it's a great possibility that the only reason he's retracting what he said is because he's getting smoked for it. Yeah, he's he was tore up pretty good. And the, the, the apology was pretty profuse. You know, and it's weird in the, the modern, quote unquote, cancel culture. You know, it's like usually it's kind of the other way around like people like Aaron Rodgers, the ones always doing the apologizing and kind of groveling against the the perceived norm where in this case, you know, our friend here had to kind of really rein it back. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's his argument really, he literally said, I think he's a big jerk and I, a bad person because that is the whole, like the whole idea with COVID and it has been for a long time now is, is that COVID is just simply a litmus test or if you're a good person, do you wear the three masks? Do you get the four vaxes? Do you do what you're told? Do you lock yourself in your basement when you're told? And if you don't, well, then you're just a terrible person. And there, there's, there's some line here because obviously say you have like a, let's say Aaron Rodgers have an MVP season and then he got caught some domestic abuse scandal or, or, or something like right. that. I mean, clearly then, yes, you're not going to vote for somebody for MVP if they have a horrible off the field thing. But what this is, is just, I don't personally like him. And it's like, right. okay, well, I don't care if you don't like him. That's not what we're asking you. I mean, if your argument doesn't have anything to do with criminality, like you said, then what, what are we talking about here? What, what's the, what's the crux, but that that's how society treats COVID now. It is, it is a litmus test. And if you do the right things, you're a good person and COVID will leave you alone. Like I said, it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> pagan God coming to visit and, and uncleanse the unwashed masses. You know, if you don't do it, you're told COVID and, COVID you never, know, COVID never harmed anyone that got vaccinated. Didn't you know that? Right. It's it. Yeah. It's, it's never, <laughs> no one that does what they're told, it gets it. And that's the thing. And, and what we're seeing now, the new wave, which we'll talk about more later, you know, too, but it, we're, we're seeing that basically at this point, you're just going to kind of get it if you're going to get it. I mean, it's just, you know, getting around it at this point. So yeah, every day, this, this whole argument around the vaccine and unvaccinated thing gets more trivial, more moot, if, if you want to call it that. But yeah, this is ridiculous. And if this kind of thing starts to permeate more 
they're not thinking about just not letting the press. Because again, this is all all the press votes for this. It's the AP MVP. We always just call it the NFL MVP award, but it's not players voting on this. It's not coaches voting on this. It's media members, and if they're going to start interjecting their personal feelings into these awards. Then the NFL may have to come up with something different. I, but, and I um, could, and I could. By the way, to to that point, I don't think, and I don't think this is unusual when you talk about a mainstream publication. But I don't think the I don't think the AP is what I call you know a centrist publication no, you know what i'm saying no, I, I i would venture to say they're a little left wing which mm-hmm. would you know you know take that what you will right and uh you know for what it's worth by the way with rogers he didn't miss one game they lost it 13 to 7 to the chiefs and old jordan love started and uh, all they've ever done since then is go 13 and 3 and lock up the nfc completely so did he really even hurt his team that much uh mr hub i don't think so but let's go ahead and look at the rest of the field, right? Because I, I think you and me would agree that Rodgers is sort of the front runner right now with what he's done with their record and all that. Again, they are the number one seed. It's locked. It's set. They could all take a vacation this weekend against Detroit. They're still going to the, you know, it's going through Lambeau, right? Um, 3,900, whatever passing yards, 35 touchdowns, and just four pick 35 to four, man. It's crazy. But there are other guys that looks like they have a case, you know, Tom Brady, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup. Any of these guys do it for you or someone else maybe? To me, I think the only person that has, you know, a strong case would be Tom Brady. And I think it's pretty close um, for the most part. But I think the fact, you know, and we see this, I know it's a real simplistic way to do these things. But if you look at history, you know, for, for, you know, a lot, uh, you know, several occasions that best player, best team, you know, that's a that's a good place to start. And I mean, you look at the AFC, the best teams over there are at 11 and five. It's been just, you know, one of those seasons where the AFC's had a crazy amount of parity. You had like, you know, what, 12 teams allegedly in the hunt last week or something ridiculous. You know, they would, that people, if I swear, I see Denver in the hunt a couple weeks ago when they're, no, they're not. They're like, they're not, they're just not in the hunt. Stop. Same thing with Cleveland. Those teams are not hunting anything. But, um, but you have, the AFC, you take that and like no one in the AFC to me. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he's in it. But I mean, the Colts, the Colts still have, there's still a chance that they could miss the playoffs if they don't handle business on Sunday. So you have that going on. But I, I think if you go past Jonathan Taylor, I mean, the Cooper Cup stuff is like, I mean, it's nice. He's having an, he's having an amazing season. But the wide receiver thing for me is difficult because Cooper Cup's doing nothing without Matthew Stafford throwing in the ball. And Matthew Stafford, he has tailed off, in my view, the second half of the season. But, you know, he's not, you know, this ain't some situation years ago where DeAndre Hopkins was, uh, you know, catching passes from any Tom, Dick, or Harry uh, with two arms and two legs. You know, so, if you know, if, that, if you had that kind of situation going on, then, you know, maybe you'd have a case for a wide receiver. But that's not what we see here. So, to me, it is Aaron Rodgers. It is Tom Brady. And I think the, the, the Green Bay Packers – having the top seed and you do have an example of what they look like without Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, you know, he was nothing special in that game. So you have that going on. You also, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you look at what they have, uh, you look at their requisite weapons. We've seen Tom Brady for the most, now I know things have fallen apart uh, lately for them on the injury front, but, Very much so. but when they started, you had a situation where you had Mike Evans, you had Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, you know, the list goes on and on. 
Uh, to me, Tom Brady's weapons vastly superior to what Aaron Rodgers said. Aaron Rodgers does have Devontae Adams, probably the best receiver in football. I think we can probably say that at this point. And he does have a very nice tandem at running back with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, you're not when you have Alan Lazard, Valdez Scantling, uh, Mercedes Lewis, dare I say, you know, you know, I oh, mean, man. Th- th- those names just don't compare to the Godwins and that AB's, you know, uh, I guess, well, I mean, we know AB ain't around no more, but you get what I'm saying. And Gronk, <laughs> right, they just right. don't compare. So I think Aaron Rodgers has done a little bit more with a little bit less. And we've also seen, we've also seen recently what Tom Brady has looked like without all of his requisite weapons. If you take a, if you just take a gander at that Saints game a couple of weeks back, uh, when things really went haywire, it wasn't pretty. You also look at the New York Jets game last week. I mean, I get it. And people want to, you know, just, you know, lay, lay out the red carpet for the guy for a nice little 90-yard comeback drive to win a game. Well, I mean, why are you, why are we coming back against the Jets? Like, explain that to me. So that's where I'm at. I think both guys have a case. But I think when you look at Green Bay already locking up the number one seed, Aaron Rodgers, the, the numbers are off the charts. Tom Brady's probably got him a little edge here and there. But the thing you mentioned, you talk about 35 to four. I saw a stat earlier where uh, I think he's got three seasons now, you know, assuming that he stays at four interceptions to where he's going to have like more than 500 passing attempts with like four interceptions or less, which is just astounding. And I don't think no one's ever right done now? that. Yeah. No one's ever done that once is what the statistics said. So um, all things considered, I do think he's the MVP, despite what, you know, how you feel about uh, his uh, medical decisions that are his, his and his only. Yeah, pretty well said. I, I would absolutely agree. I think you, I think in a more statistic comparison, you look at Rodgers versus Brady. I mean, Rodgers has not attempted as many. Brady leads league in attempts by a mile. He's at 682 attempts. Right. Uh, Rodgers is only at 513. And yet their numbers, I mean, Ray has a thousand more yards, but the touchdowns are, are pretty close. Rogers has thrown uh, eight less picks. Their completion percentage is pretty close. Um, and like you said, the, the, the efficiency with Rogers, 500 pass attempts. I mean, the other quarterbacks are Burrow, Ryan, Cousins, Big Ben, Dak, Matt Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Josh Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, Brady. I mean, it's the cream of the crop, right? I mean, pretty much all your star star quarterbacks are up in that list besides like Kyler Murray over 500 attempts. And all of them have at least seven or nine interceptions in the case of cousins, big Ben, and then everyone else has at least 10 or more. And here's Rogers with four. And I think too, like you were kind of mentioning that the bucks have had some bad games. I mean, green Bay has had legitimately one bad game with Rogers starting. They got, the they got yep. absolutely destroyed week one. That was a weird, like, neutral site game they had to play because of the hurricane and it was all odd and it got changed last minute and whatever and then uh they lost the game without rogers because he's terrible and bad and got covid and then um you had a close the only the game they lost to the, the minnesota game yeah, yeah the, the three-point loss to the vikings you know so it's like he just he's the, the consistency has just been unmatched the only player i would really really say has a good uh, argument is Jonathan Taylor. Like you said, there, there are some presidents for running backs winning the award. And I really think if you took Jonathan Taylor off the Colts, they wouldn't be nearly as good. I think that they would, I don't think Carson Wentz would carry the load. I don't think they have the offensive weapons 
outside the odd receiver and right. tight end to keep up with the, the rest of the league. I mean, when Jonathan Taylor runs for over 100 yards, they've won every game. I think they're eight out of their nine games they've won. He ran for 100 yards. Like this past weekend was the first time he had 100 yards. He had like 104, and they didn't actually win the game. So it's one of those things where he they pace it through him. He's got a ton of yards. He doesn't have as many attempts as Derrick Henry like was on pace for before he got hurt. 18 touchdowns. He's only lost the ball twice to two fumbles and 317 rush attempts. And he also has two receiving touchdowns. He's first in the league by a mile in the running back stats. I mean – I get that a quarterback is usually going to win the awards. You ever want to look at a running back? I think uh, Jonathan Taylor would have an argument, but yeah, Cooper cup, I, just a receiver, man, it's gotta be something just unbelievably incredible. And it's hard to win MVP when you have Aaron Donald, Joe and Ramsey, Von Miller, Matt Stafford, the list goes on. And uh, like we already kind of hit the Brady thing. So yeah, I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers as well, but Jonathan Taylor would be a close second for me. It'd be, and it would just to close out that you brought up Derek Henry, it would be something to see what he would have done had he have stayed healthy and the right. Titans had been the number one seed, that would have been a re- he would have had a really he would have a really compelling yep. case as well. All right, Jay, we're staying in the NFL, moving on to the week 18 preview. We're also looking at the NFL playoff picture. So, of course, this is the last week of the season. The 17 game schedule is finally coming to a close. It is so weird to be talking about the regular season in January, but yet here we are. But yeah, the playoff picture as a whole, your Titans are your one seed in the AFC. Chiefs and Bengals have a shot at that one seed. Uh, Bills, Patriots have both clinched but uh, kind of await their seating. And then the Colts Chargers currently in that 6-7 spot, but uh, they are on thin ice with the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Ravens all within striking distance out in the NFC. Like we mentioned, Aaron Rodgers and company locked up the one seed. Uh, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, Cardinals all have their playoff berths in some order. And then the 49ers, or I'm sorry, the Eagles do as well. The 49ers are the one seed that doesn't have the playoff berth. It's either going to be them or the Saints out in the NFC. So the NFC, a little more settled than the AFC. But overall, uh, this weekend, you know, what are the biggest games and who do you think is going to wind up in all this? Um, well, I, I have to say, you know, right off the cuff, you know, it ties in with what we talked about Tuesday. The Chiefs really shot themselves in the foot with the way they lost to Cincinnati because now, you know, you put the number one seed and you put that first round by in the hands of the Tennessee Titans. Um, And to be fair, Tennessee has had some really odd games this year where they just lose to teams that just, I don't even know, they don't, it's like how, I mean, they lost to the Jets. Um, There was an, I'm not, I'm spacing on who else they lost to that wasn't really good. It might've, it might've been Houston. Did they lose to Houston? They lost to the Cardinals, the Jets, they lost, they lost to the Houston Texans at home. They lost to the Patriots that final week and they also lost to the Steelers. Okay, so you have so you have a couple of really odd games. So it's not outside the realm that you know Houston could get them again, but you probably have to say that's unlikely at this point. And that, that's on Kansas City. So, and I do think um, even though I don't think Tennessee is capable of you know getting to the Super Bowl unless you know Derrick Henry comes back and he's just everything he was, then you give him a shot. But um, I just think that's a big deal. You only get one first round by in each conference now. I think Kansas City really hurt themselves. Um, so you have that going on, you know, there's, there's still some, some seating, I believe it needs to be decided, you know, in the AFC, particularly, you still got a lot of teams that technically could get in, although, uh, you know, team Baltimore, Pittsburgh, you know, teams like that, they, they're going to need a lot of things to go right. Plus, you know, one of those teams going to be eliminated immediately, depending on who wins their matchup. So also Lamar Jackson, not going to play again. Tyler Huntley will be under center again, could be, you know, big Ben's final game, uh, you know, in, 
you know, we had his final home game, home Monday. This could be a final game, period, depending on how the rest of it shakes out. I think in the um, over in the I do have to say lay out the lay out the scenario for me really quickly, if you would, mm-hmm. of the char- how the Chargers and Raiders could get into the playoffs. Right. With a tie so, if the Colts well, lose, right? It's not happening because the Colts aren't going to lose Sunday. That's but what, let's just say you know, the team bus breaks down away the stadium. They have to get the Jaguars to win or something, right? So what happens then is then the Chargers and the Raiders both get in in the event of a tie. Otherwise, whoever wins gets in, the loser doesn't, and then that last spot um, is opened up for Baltimore or Pittsburgh, uh, depending on how their games go. So in theory, the Chargers and Raiders could just go, well, you know what? We both get in, shake hands, go out there, run the ball, or deal it for sixty minutes. Um, which, but to me, so okay, so I, but I have to get in there on that, right? Because that's a media-driven story. And it, here's the to me, if you know, not that Roger Goodell is particularly great at his job, but he's got to be like he he has to be hopping mad at that type of storyline being floated, because the NFL flexed that game into the last game of the regular season because it matters because the winner of that game gets to the playoffs. So no one's going for, hey, guys, you want to go to playoffs? Yeah. Hey, do y'all want to go? Hey, y'all want to both go? You know, remember in, like, grade school where you'd, like, do a mile run and you'd have, like, girls, like, cro- like they'd, like, hold hands crossing the finish line, that type of thing? That's what that would be. It's insane. And, by the way, the Raiders and Chargers are, like, I don't know, division rivals, so they don't like each other. So that's not happening. So that's a – that is one of the stupidest things I've heard. And I know it's early in 2022, but that's one of the stories that's taken the cake. That's a media driven story and they should stop that nonsense. That's, that's the type of talking that losers do anyway. Um, so yeah, but, I, but with that being said, that's actually a compelling matchup because that's going to determine the la- everything else will be decided, you know, before that game. And then you'll have the NFL gets one more look to, you know, one more playoff spot to get wrapped up. And, uh, I really hope uh, I think the Chargers will get it done uh, in my estimation, because I just can't imagine a world where Rick Pasakia or whatever the hell his name is, uh, does the thing in John Gruden's absence. I just said, release the emails, release the emails, by the way. Uh, But, you know, to the rest of it really quickly, I think, um, like I said, the NFC seems to be a little bit more, um, you know, together. The. So you have the Rams and Cardinals, what they do in their games is going to be, you know, critical because, you know, the NFC West and home playoff games could still be still up for grabs, depending on how that goes. And then so the Rams 49ers game, that's going to be a huge one to watch because, you know, the Rams still have something to play for. And the 49ers need to win that game to get in because you have you have New Orleans playing Atlanta. So that's definitely a winnable game for the for the Saints. So, you know, it's 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 interesting that the 49ers today are in the sixth spot. But the seventh spot Eagles have clinched, and it's the sixth seed that right now that could get left out. Uh, as far as the the other games that I think you know would be worth watching, um, you have I think I think both AFC. Well, you have New England, Miami. I thought you had Buffalo. I thought Buffalo was playing Miami. Well, anyway, New England, Miami. Don't forget, week one, Miami won that game and then went on a seven game losing streak. And then they was just on a seven game winning streak and then they just lost. So they've had a ridiculously weird season. It'll be interesting to see how they finish up um, New England. Just like I said about the NFC West, AFC East, still not yet decided. Uh, New England still have a shot. I think Buffalo would have to lose their game, I guess, against the Jets. 
So that that uh, that home playoff game still up for grabs as well. Uh, but yeah, I, the, look, look, the big one, the big one is the Sunday night game with the um, Chargers and Raiders. I tell you what, I tell you what game is not the one to watch. I don't know why they even bother. I don't know why they bother putting Denver on national television on uh, Saturday. What a way, what a way to kick it off. I tell you what, the Chiefs, the, the Chiefs losing last week was bad news for Denver because Denver's about, Denver's about to get killed uh, tomorrow. It, just get the anger game taken out on them. Yeah, yeah it's um, I, I think this this playoff format is interesting because with the only the one seed, like I, I have to wonder if there's really a lot of difference in two or three or four with these, right. you know, wild card games. Like as long as you're in that top echelon, you know, do you really care that much? And I, I guess the answer would be no. So some of these teams, like the Bengals, for example, they're not going to play Joe Burrow. They're going to let him rest. Um, it'll be the Brandon Allen show versus the, it's not the Baker Mayfield show either. So it's like just a complete, just, you know, whatever's going on out there. Um, but yeah, the, 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 that, that scenario is interesting. You know, they, they brought it up last week, right? When we first realized what had happened. I mean, again, the Colts aren't going to lose, but to me, it brings up the, the two things. One, we, we don't need to have ties in the NFL when you get rid of that crap. We should have got rid of it a long time ago, in my opinion, there's no ties and sporting events. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but, but my thing too is, why are these games not flexed in the way they're all kind of playing at the same time? Like if you have games that have legitimate in or out of the, I'm not so much talking about seating, right. But like games that make or break who gets in the playoffs, why aren't those games all 425 kicks or why aren't they all one o'clock kick? Like why, why is that even possible for them to know that? I mean, they could guess that the the Jaguars aren't going to win the game. Sure. But like, I I mean, why would we even set it up to where we would know that both these teams can just go out there and lay down and they're going to go to the playoffs. I mean, you, know, you you say that there's no way it's going to happen, and you're right. But you you think about it in a purely logical perspective. Yeah, I mean, I can get in the playoffs. My knowing my players are going to be hurt. I basically get a buy. I mean, you know, yep. it's 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 like you're right. They're not going to do that. And obviously, Goodell behind closed doors be like, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna choke slam both of y'all. I'm gonna pay somebody <laughs> to choke slam both of y'all if you do that. Um, I'll bring John Gruden back. I'll bring him back. He'll come back and he'll just be running around the building. You know, and he'll so he'll like, call he'll call Bontez perfect. Yeah. Okay. We'll get all the email. Like you said, get all the emails released. So I'm not going to do it, but it's like, <laughs> why is this even something we're talking about? You know, why is it even possible? Why, why is this not set up? Like why not have every game say kick at three o'clock on the, the weekend before the playoffs or something, just even it out where there's no question about who's playing what and when, but yeah, you know, I don't know. So I guess some West coast teams would want to play at noon, but yeah, yeah I mean, for the that, most part, you ran it down pretty well. That's um, probably, that's probably the biggest, like just the, you know, if you got, you know, the Rams and uh, well, you got Rams, 49ers, uh, Seahawks, Cardinals. I mean, you just they have to be afternoon games because if you put them at, on at one, then they're playing at at 10 their time, right. you know. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest thing. But I, I mean, I do I, I do, um, yeah, I do. I do get where you're coming from. Like, for example, you know, one thing perhaps that could be, you know, worth watching is, you know, what if you put you left Indian Jacksonville at one and then you know, let's just say Indianapolis, you know, was to lose that game. Then you have, how about you have Pitt and Baltimore at 425 because all of a sudden that game becomes incredibly meaningful, you know? Right. But then at the same time, maybe you want, you put both games on at the same time to where, okay, don't worry about what Indianapolis is doing. Just y'all play it as hard as y'all can because let's say you had Indianapolis wins at one and then Pittsburgh and Baltimore like, or at 425 and then they have nothing to play for. 
right you know, they so, definitely know they have no chance because right. that door would be slammed shut in, right. in any case so yeah you're right um the last thing i'll ask before we move on you know is there is there any one of these teams like down in the wild cards you know these teams like the eagles and the the, the colts like these teams that we they, they can't be division winners at this point um or is there any one of the, is there any team that's like oh you don't want to play them like that like quote unquote like team you don't want to see like we kind of talk about every year in the playoffs is there one of those teams this year or is it all just kind of like just kind of get what you get to me, I would say if you're talking about a team that probably is going to be on the wild card, I still, I still am really high on the Colts. Um, I, th- I still think they're. I mean, I know Tennessee's beat them twice, but uh, I still think Indianapolis is the better team, and they have. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is you know in the MVP conversation. We know how well coached they are, you know, on both sides of the ball. Frank Wright, he's got a really good you know feel for you know game management, fourth downs, and all the rest of it. So um, I think it's Indianapolis to me. I think New England, New England is a trendy one as well. But I think, I mean, I think at this point, it's just a little bit too early, you know, for the Mac Jones thing come playoff time. And we've seen, you know, what we just saw, you know, Mac Jones against Josh Allen with actual weather that you could throw the ball and Mac Jones couldn't do it. So to me, I think New England is a little bit, I mean, New England and Indianapolis are similar teams in the fact that they lean on the run game very heavily. But to me, Carson Wentz is more capable of getting it done if you take the runaway than Mac Jones. This was where I'm at. And in the NFC, I mean, to me, whatever team doesn't win the NFC West is going gonna, is gonna to still be, you know, a serious problem. Or they should, I mean, to me, I think it's the Rams that's the clear, you know, uh, best team in that division. I'm not as comfortable with Arizona because their run defense is so suspect. But, um, you know, whichever team does not win that division, whoever's in that four seed, you know, if it's Dallas, Tampa Bay, whoever it is, you know, they're going to have they're going to have a real fight on their hands. Yeah. And real quick, I would just I would say the Colts, too. I, I think the running game aspect, a big part of it. You go in in cold weather, you know, no matter where you are, if you got that kind of running game and that Colts defense is ridiculous ridiculously opportunistic i mean darius leonard has more turnovers by himself than some nfl like teams do as a whole i mean it's it's crazy so if you can run the ball and generate turnovers in the playoffs man you're you're a dangerous team to look out for and the eagles on the other side of the ball i don't know if i want to play the eagles they're just things are clicking sometimes sometimes it's just helping things are going right you know and sometimes that's enough well we now move on to uh you know, we talk, We just did a lot of talking about the playoffs in the NFL and, you know, all that. Well, let's let's talk about let's I like to call some of these teams down at the bottom of the standings. The, what I, I call them the have nots. And there would there may not be another NFL team that, you know, is a description of the have nots than the Jacksonville Jaguars. So what you have here is we know the Jaguars have had, you know, just a, a tumultuous season. You know, they had number one overall pick Urban Meyer. Uh, neither thing has really panned out so far. Trevor Lawrence, he's had a lot of struggles, you know, probably a lot of it out of his control. Uh, Urban Meyer has already been fired in case you've been living under a rock lately. Uh, but the Jacksonville Jaguars in owner Shad Khan's infinite wisdom appears to be set on keeping their general manager, Trent Baalke in place. And that has led to, it appears that like the, uh, the fans or uh, a big contingent of fans are going to show up in clown costumes. You've seen a huge social media thing um, with the, with the, everybody, the Jags profile pictures, the fans have changed to a clown with a mustache because Shot has got the mustache. Uh, you know, we, we, we have the, you know, we like to call them at Jacksonville correspondent, you know, front and center today. So it seemed like a perfect opportunity to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and, 
what do you make of all this? Well, uh, living through it personally really sucks because this has been a miserable stretch of football. So the, 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 what, you're, what he's talking about is the clown out. It was something that Jacksonville social media started on. It, it really got started on Twitter. It's, the, it's literally the clown emoji. And they put the little mustache on it. People started changing their profile pictures to it because they announced that they were going to retain Trent Baalke. Uh, Trent Baalke is the former GM of the 49ers the last couple of years. He was a guy that had uh, Jim Tomsula and Chip Kelly. And he basically was like the GM right when they got really good. And then he was the GM through the entire downfall of that organization uh, before John Lynch came in and had to fix it. They didn't have a job for a while. They brought him in with Dave Caldwell two years ago. He was Dave Caldwell's assistant GM in Jacksonville throughout last season. Um, that draft consisted of a draft, a ninth overall pick that's already traded in CJ Henderson and a 20th overall pick in Caleb on chase on a defensive end with two sacks in two years. Um, and then this past season, they draft Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne's hurt. Um, but the moral of the story is Trent Baalke was promoted to GM in 2021, but he's been in the building for two years. In that stretch, the Jaguars are three and 30. Uh, I think Baalke is like something like 10 and 53 as a GM recently, and he's had four head coaches in four seasons. So the, the whole just debacle of Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence struggling and the whole mess of the Jaguars winning two games came and went. The fans were so excited with Urban and Trevor. It was such a big – there was a light at the end of the tunnel after the 1-15 season, right? But then 2-14 and 14 comes along, and you're going to be 2-15 and 15 again. You're going to get destroyed by the Colts on Sunday. And the fans have just had enough. They, they full-on revolt. And they, they're changing their profile pictures, the clowns are clowning the organization, they're trolling all the social media feeds, like the team does a live like show like a week, a weekday like radio type show, it just gets clowned up like all the comments are just clowns, they've had to cut um, feeds, <laughs> they've had they've asked players and coaches about it, they've like, they've like state media controlled like memory hold the answers like out of the, <laughs> the, the broadcast It's crazy. And, um, you know, apparently this has gotten to Shad Khan and he is not really said much one way or the other, but the reports still are that they plan on keeping Trent Baalke and the fans just want a fresh start. They are so sick of this leapfrog where over the last decade, again, the Jaguars were 41 in 119 of their shot con of the regular season. Other than the 2017 playoff run, they have won like 25% of their games. That's only happened twice in NFL history with over a decade, the 01 to 10 lions and like the 83 through 92 bucks. I mean, it is a historically bad stretch of NFL football and it's only getting worse because again they've won they were one in 15 last year they're gonna be two and 15 this year it's uh it's a mess but I think it brings up a bigger point of should fans be able to do this should they be able to rally in this sort of fashion and because there there is going to be I'm gonna be there Sunday I'll tell you what happens there's going to be clown like Clowns are going to descend upon the stadium for that game. It's going to be on national TV. The main sponsor of the game has pulled their $600,000 sponsorship. They don't want it anymore. They're trying to sue to get out of it. It's a dumpster fire. And it's like, on one hand, should, should Shad Khan, or just insert any owner for this, because if any other team did the same thing, should they listen to the fans? Is it like a political person with their constituents? Or is it, oh, he's the owner, he does what he wants, he shouldn't listen to fans? I mean, I think it brings up a bigger point than just Jacksonville being dumpster juice. We know that. But I think if there's a bigger point here of these fan-led revolts, they become more common, which, hey, they might, the era of social media, people can, they can get together so fast. You know, it's like it, things can snowball out of control in a hurry. And I don't know if you were Shad Khan. I mean, I, I, there's no rational reason to keep Trent Baalke, sure. But would you do it because the fans, like, pressured you into it? Or would you, like, stick your heels in the sand and just say, no, I'm not moving. You know, I'm, I'm not doing this. Um, I'm saving yeah. the crown. Yeah, it's, I mean, to me, like, 
you know, if I'm Shad Khan and I think the best decision for my for my football team is to let Trent Baalke run personnel and be the GM, then that's that he Shad Khan as an owner has to do that. Um, obviously, you know, us looking, you know, you would know better than I, but I, you know, I would tend to agree with your analysis that I don't think that's the right thing to keep Trent Baalke. I mean, you laid it out you know, all the way back to, and I think the success he had in San Francisco can probably be more attributed to Jim Harbaugh, you know, it could, right. because after Jim Harbaugh left the thing, it, you know, stuff got pretty ugly in a hurry. There's reports um, that Jim Harbaugh left because of Trent Baalke. And, and as I, to be noted, not one person in the NFL has come to this guy's defense yet. Not a single human being has said one nice thing about him through the whole debacle. But I do, but I, you know, I, I do have to say like, and the point about the fans, and I said this earlier before we got on air, the fans should, the fans got every right to, you know, to, you know, show up clown costumes, tear up the team's social media, voice their opinion, that every right to do. We, we, and if you look, there's, there's no there's precedent for this like very recently because look when an institution is incompetent in what it's supposed to be doing people feel some type of way and they show themselves uh you know i you know i you know it wasn't anyway by the way i had did you say you're attending this game i, I am the tickets were like 15 dollars. so are you will you be in a clown costume <laughs> i don't plan on it no now if had a couple of beers and they're handing out wigs and noses. I might participate. I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but am I? Did I already order a clown outfit from Amazon? So, no, I did not. I, okay, I, I so that, that so that leads that me part. that leads me to the 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 biggest of questions. Are you going to be participating in an insurrection? That that is the question. Um, I don't think Shad's even here. I'm pretty sure he's on a boat. It's really hard to insurrect a boat. Like you have to also have a boat, and his is way bigger than our boats we can have. So don't plan on it. But um, I might yell at him if he was around, but he ain't gonna be around. But but um, yeah. So but the pro but the problem is with Jacksonville is that you know, and we we've seen just you know piecemeal changes here and there. You know, you go back. You, okay, Tom Coughlin, he's supposed to come in and fix everything. You get Tom Coughlin out there, but you kept Dave Caldwell. You know, Dave Caldwell has been there since you know Gus Bradley was hired back in 2013, and you just kicked him out the building last year. But yet you Trent Baalke worked for him for one season, but you still kept him and he's still there. So the, the point is, you talk about a fresh start when you are an organization as lousy and embarrassing as the Jacksonville Jaguars. At some point, everything, every management piece that is available has to go away. You have to you have to nuke nuke everything and start over, reset that thing. And that's to me. I don't know. Like I don't know Shy Khan from a can of paint, but he he just it would appear that he's just not cut out to be an NFL owner. And you just but what you have to do if you want to get this thing if you want to have any help of getting this thing turned around, you get everybody out of here and you hire someone from outside the organization who knows something about winning to come in and start building it up for you. That that's what a, as an owner you have to do. And shot and shot Khan is not alone. There's other terrible owners in the NFL. You know, you go right to the nation's capital. You can find one. What a joke. I mean, the stadium's like literally collapsing, you know, so Jalen hurts. Has he heard back from the NFL? I'd like to know, but um, look, shot Khan's not alone, but to me, this is a critical time for Jacksonville because 
I mean, you tell me, but from what I've seen, I have no idea if Trevor Lawrence can play football in this league. But I will tell you this, all the hype that he got from, you know, coming out of college and just, you know, he's the he's the best quarterback prospect since, you know, uh, Luck, Elway and Peyton Manning combined and all the rest of it. You know, the fanfare that this guy was getting and me and Drink was like, we, we was like, oh, oh, let's pump the brakes on this, because what happens is. When you go to when you get drafted that high, sometimes you go to a dysfunctional organization and that can ruin a guy. And so this first year has been a complete waste. And if the owner's paying attention to anything, what he should look at is his quarterback and say, if I don't get this thing fixed quickly, Trevor Lawrence could wind. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but he could wind up being one of the biggest busts in history. You're absolutely right. I mean, for, I mean, I've seen him play almost every snap this year. The reality is, there's nothing around him. I mean, Laquan Treadwell is their best wide receiver. Um, they they lost James Robinson weeks ago. The the offense is a broken mess. The play calling is awful. I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about it. Uh, I think and Trevor I, has some Trevor it, has some issues where you go, okay, I, I see that maybe the 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 football Jesus comparisons might have been a bit of, of much. He's he's struggling with reading. If I'd say the two things he struggles with the most is reading the defenses and the speed of the reads is not quite there because Clemson didn't ask him to make a lot of two, three, four right. deep reads. It right. was quick. It was a quick uh, offense. And um, obviously it was a much better ran and coached offense, a better talent, right. but, but that mm-hmm. and um, accuracy and touch. Like he struck, he, everything's a flamethrower. He's like that pitcher in the MLB that only throws hundred mile an hour fastballs. Like, I mean, he hits dudes so hard. They fall over sometimes they can't catch the balls. And it's like, they should catch it. They're in the NFL, but there's times where he doesn't need to throw a flamethrower to somebody like your backup, your third string running backs in the game. And you try to take his numbers off his Jersey and he drops it. And it's a pick. I mean, that kind of thing. He struggled with that, but he's going to be okay. If you get some talent around him, I think, but um, yeah, I mean, the biggest problem with Shad Khan, man, he wants to win. I think, I don't think he just doesn't care at all, but he doesn't have anyone that's in his ear. That's telling him good things. I think the only people he talks to are other owners and they're never going to tell him what to do because they had to compete against him. Um, his pocketbook right. has kept the Jaguars in town and the fans appreciate that because otherwise they would have already left, but it's just not working. And fans are so frustrated with always keeping somebody. The only thing I can think is maybe that's just his policy. He's a multi-billionaire. He knows something we don't about making money. Maybe he thinks there should always be a guy that from the previous deal to for continuity, but that's the only thing I can even imagine if I'm trying to rationalize it. But yeah, it's rough. And um, it doesn't appear it's going to get better anytime soon unless the reports aren't true. But we won't know until the end of the season because Shaq Khan fired Urban and said, I am not talking to y'all until after the season because I can do what I want and my boat has a boat inside of it. So deal with it. All right, we now fast forward to college football and the national championship game. It'll be on Monday, January 10th. It'll be on uh, probably on every ESPN channel that they have. As you well know, we got uh, <laughs> a replay of the SEC title game. Woo. So if you if you hate the SEC, maybe you want to uh, you know bow out of this one. It's Alabama and Georgia for the second time this season, and the second time that we've seen this. Uh, we saw it what four years ago, 2018. You had uh, that one of the one of the more entertaining. Uh, the two a uh, game. Yeah. It was it was the two a game. Uh, replaced Jalen Hurts at halftime. Hit Devontae Smith to end the game. We know what happened. Um, this time around, it'll be uh, Georgia has been was the number one team for pretty much the entire season. 
but then in the SEC title game, they got Bryce Young to the tune of 421 passing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Stetson Bennett was, uh, he was okay. He threw for 340 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Georgia uh, got out to a 10-0 lead before Alabama stormed stormed back. They win, this, they win that one going away 41-24. Uh, probably one of the, one of the bigger developments in this one. Uh, no, John Mechie for Alabama at receiver, uh, but uh, another another chance for Kirby Smart to get off the snide against his former employer. Uh, Cody, does Kirby Smart get his first win against Nick Saban? I think he's got a pretty good chance. I think they got a better chance than they did in the SEC title. Um, starting off looking at this on the Georgia side of things, I think the first thing they have to do is limit mistakes. Now, I, I get like. Well, duh, no team wants to go make mistakes. It's one of those just classic throwaway lines. But, I mean, if you look at what Stetson Bennett did in the SEC title and then in the semifinals against Michigan, he, if you if you take away the two picks against Alabama, he played really well. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, you know, he was 29 to 48. It's more past tense you want to see him have. But against Alabama, you probably aren't going to be able to run the ball as much. But he had 340 yards and three touchdowns against Alabama in that game. I mean, Georgia led that game early. And then against Michigan, he was 20 to 30 for 313, three touchdowns, no picks against Michigan. He tore them to pieces. I mean, he looked like Bryce Young out there uh, last weekend. So, um, the, the, the quarterback play is important, but I, I think Stetson Bennett has put enough confidence in where you're not thinking, okay, they've got to go with a different quarterback. I mean, Georgia's going to play Stetson. He's going to be the quarterback unless he gets hurt, right? But the Stetson cannot make the mistakes that he made in the SEC title. It just it can't happen. If you make a bunch of mistakes, you throw picks against Alabama, you're not going to win. It's not going to happen. Um, but uh, if I'm looking at Georgia as far as the more X's and O's parts of the game plan, I want to get uh, Brock Bowers involved. Once again, he had 10 for 139 against Alabama. I think that Bama's uh, secondary depth, especially at like nickel corner and such, just isn't great. I mean, their starters are pretty, uh, pretty all right, of course. But then like, you know, the rest of the guys maybe aren't as good and you can maybe get some good tight end nickel corner matchups. Bowers is obviously a guy that can exploit that. I would look for him to be heavily involved. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we know the Georgia defense. They're really good. I mean, we know that. But what I'm looking for in this game specifically is Trayvon Walker, defensive end, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, four million whatever pound nose tackle these guys have got to penetrate contain one of the big things alabama did is they ran bryce Young out of the pocket they rolled him they rolled him around you can't do that you got to keep the guy contained you've got to keep the guy put in and uh in the pocket and then these guys have got to rush the, the georgia's not gonna be able to blitz all night they're gonna have to kind of stay back in coverage and if they do that and these guys can get home some of these guys are going to be first and second round picks in the draft you know if they can start getting some pressure on their own it's going to be bad. And the final thing for Georgia, they got to finish, man. They, like, this is this is wild. Okay, so Georgia has lost four uh, consecutive games against Alabama, right? They lost 41-24 in the last two games uh, this year and last year. They lost 35-28 in 2018. And then um, – or, or that was the 26-23 game. There was another 35-28 in there. But Georgia has led or tied in over 70% of these games. But they lost all four of them, two of them by, like, multiple scores. Um, so my question for George is how do you finish and who is the guy that finishes for you? George Pickens, is he going to be the guy that steps up? He's ACL. He's been getting health theory. He's had a couple of weeks. Some like him going to step up because that's, I think that's the difference in the game. Cause I think it's going to be back and forth, but can Georgia find a playmaker to finish where these other teams have not been able to do that? Someone has got to step up and I don't know if it's on the offense or the defense, but someone's got to make a big play to keep that tide from turning back, you know, because otherwise it's going to be Bama. I mean, otherwise, but that's, it, nothing changes, you know, I mean, and, and the thing I'll say for Bama, you know, there's this narrative about uh, the, the, 
beating the same team twice in a month, right? Um, but since 1950, 78 teams have played two times within the same season. And the same team won both games 56% of the time. So if you win the first one, you actually have a better chance not to win the second one. So you would think with all teams equal, it would be a coin toss, essentially. Um, but for Alabama, you know, it's going to be doing the same things that worked last time. Moving Bryce Young, you know, moving the pocket a little bit, um, getting these wide receivers in good matchups. I mean, they've got the formula. They've done it plenty of times before. I don't think that the, the impetus is so much on Alabama to do what they did. I think it's going to be on Georgia to do something different this time because yes. otherwise it's just going to be the same game. Yeah, I, uh, I, would, I would agree with that. Uh, the thing, the thing I'm looking at about this game is, and I think you know Stetson Bennett, he's a big part of it. But I think the bigger, the bigger part of it for Georgia is their defense. This defense, you know, we've been told, you know, what running into the SEC title game, you know, they've given up what 6.9 points per game. But you know, in in retrospect, you look at you know the the quarterbacks that they played throughout the season, and you know, not all that impressive. And then you have a case where Bryce Young comes in here, lights this defense up, and then we're like, oh, well, maybe this defense isn't that good. Well, the defense, Georgia's defense is very good, but what we've seen with some historically great defenses or some when you think you have a great defense, well, sometimes good offense beats good defense, and that's what happened in the SEC title game. The, the big question to me for, is Georgia's defense, what do they do differently against the Alabama offense. And my, my biggest thing, what I was really surprised about was that defensive line, you talk about Georgia, really was unable to affect Bryce Young at all. He was, the Alabama offensive line kept him really clean. So, you know, if Alabama's offensive line can do that again, it's going to be tough for Georgia's, def Georgia's defense to, to do a whole lot. The one thing that they will have, the one thing that helps them is I think John Metchie not playing is somewhat of a big deal because after Jamison Williams, the Alabama receiving core isn't like, I mean, it's not like what you've had in years past when you had, you know, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Ruggs, Jalen Waddle. you know, it's not, they're not super loaded. So without John Metchie, can Georgia's defense do what Cincinnati did and contain Jamison Williams? And then can their other defensive backs win one-on-one -on -one against guys like Ja'Cory Brooks? and Jaleel Billingsley. That's the biggest question for me. But again, if you can't get pressure on Bryce Young and affect him, at some point, you got to believe that Bryce Young is going to get it done because I think he's that dude. Now on, the other, now, on the other side for me, as good as Stetson Bennett played, you know, I think he played well. He did make a couple mistakes. But I think you, Georgia, to me, has got to be better on both sides of the ball uh, in the trenches. And they got They have to run the ball better because James Cook and Zamir White in his first game, they, they, I mean, they, they was contained. You know, two and eighteen carries, sixty-five yards. They didn't have a rush longer than nine yards. So without the benefit of a strong run game, because that's where it all starts for Georgia's offense. You know, it, it all, it all starts with that. So if they can't run the ball, it's going to be all about Stetson Bennett. And can Stetson Bennett do some things for you? Absolutely. But you got to believe if Georgia's going to be one-dimensional then he's going to make a couple mistakes that are going to cost you. And if it's a, if this game is about the quarterbacks, I'm rolling with Bryce young every day of the week, twice on Sunday and three times every other, forget about it. There's no, it, this guy's a Heisman trophy winner. The other guy's Stetson Bennett. I'm sorry. So I, I'm, I'm going, I'm going Alabama. I think Georgia, I think it will be a closer thing because I think John Mechie playing is a bigger deal in this game than it was against Cincinnati. Um, 
But I, I tell you, I think that the, the big question is, can Georgia get some pressure on Bryce Young? If they cannot, right. I, don't, I don't think they can win the game. And I think, I think Bryce Young is going to be the difference. He'll be better than Stetson Bennett, and Alabama will win another national title. Yeah, I've got Alabama winning as well. I'll probably like 31-27 or so. Um, I do think it's interesting that Vegas has them uh, as Georgia favored again, which is just – it's wild to think that once again Alabama's an underdog. But, yeah, I'll take Alabama in the game as well. All right, Jade. Normally this is when I would say rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. But instead, since most of the rapids would be COVID anyway, we are just going to go on and talk about yet another COVID subject, this time in the NBA, where a new memo has been released by the NBA – that is going to be requiring non-boosted players, not non-vax, but non-boosted players to undergo daily testing now through the All-Star break. Uh, this is part of the original testing change that came around Christmas time when cases began to spike with the Omicron and all that some such. And um, they have continued the restrictions on non-boosted players again. Uh, and this was expected to run out here at the end of the week and said the NBA is going to run with this. So... Is this just being cautious or is this just more COVID craziness from these institutions as we've come to know it? I don't think we don't, I don't even think we do like real COVID segments on this show anymore. Like we just like, we just see like some foolishness come out. We're like, oh, let's talk about COVID because it's just, you know, Omicron's all of a sudden uh, whipping everybody's behind, you know? So, but we've reached a point now to where, you could just go into any hospital right now or any doctor's office and you could just like just pull any book from anywhere and just you know randomly flip to a page and just say oh there it is there's the cdc's new policy that's where we're at because you know what, what do we have we just had you know Dr. Fauci on television because they was talking about, so why, why did we go from, you know, 10 day isolation to now five days? Well, you know, we don't want to, uh, well, we don't want to kill the economy and we, we don't want to like, you know, just purge the workforce because, you know, when you have a healthy, a seemingly healthy person test positive and you kick them out of work for, it just don't make no sense, you know, and we're just, and it, we're already in a situation where if you don't have the vaccine, um, you might your your job might be in question and you might not have a job so which is interesting because that's kind of what we've been saying you know for most of this um since i would say maybe june of 2020 we were like uh maybe we should try to you know take into account other factors besides covid but um but at this point i think it's just i think it's just i think it's just a joke um we, we, I mean, I know Omicron, it appears to be more transmissible. We get all that, you know, it's breaking through the vaccines. Um, I know there's several people around this area I know who have been, you know, vaxxed through the roof and they, they, and they come down with it, uh, you know, whenever, wherever, but, um, you know, we get all that, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you're now living in a world where, you know, those goalposts around here that, that people, you just got blue people picking those things up and moving them further around. What you're seeing now with this NBA memo is the definite, it's, it, remember what we had the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Now what we're going to have very shortly is the boosted and the unboosted. That's what's going to be next. Uh, this is just a prelude. And it's just a continuation. If you go back all the way to uh, March of 2020, 
my, my, my just my favorite expression of all time now, two weeks to 14 days to slow the spread. No, it's not. It's, ne it's never 14 days for anything. It's ne whatever they say, whatever they say initially is not the case. The same, and wh what do we know in this NBA memo? They said, look, we're going to, um, you know, in the, because we think that the Christmas and holidays and all the rest of it are going to lead to an uptick in cases. So December 26th, we're going to start more testing. You know, everybody going to be tested. We're going to do all this so we could, you know, slow the spread of the, the holiday corona. And, and, what, what, and what are they doing? No, it's not. It's not what they said it was. Now we're going to continue some of this crap through the all-star break. Um, and now we're going to do elevated testing for everybody through January 15th. The most hilarious part of this, in my estimation, is if you have not gotten your booster yet, you're going to undergo daily testing all the way up to uh, the all-star break. They're also, you know, not going to, you know, restrict you to going to indoor gatherings like bars and clubs. But I just, I don't, help me. Help me understand how they can say that with a straight face, but you can't go to large indoor gatherings. Then how do you play basketball? Explain that. Can I get someone anywhere to explain that to me? The, 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 as I said in my little piece on Substack yesterday, the jokes write themselves at this point, whether it's COVID whether it's January 6th, the jokes write themselves. It's, it's, it's just a parody. It's gotten the, the whole, the whole thing with COVID and, and sports. And I think is where I start on this is because we, we, we talked about when, when this first started, the COVID first hit the sports world. You know, we were all three still doing the show. And we talked about how sports often are a mirror for regular society. You know, the, the start of society and, uh, or, or whatever happens in the sports world, then happens in society, you know? So it's, it's like a good, like, microcosm, right? And um, throughout this whole thing, we've seen this non-scientific approach. You said, like, June, maybe, is when we started thinking, maybe we don't have to do that. There, are, there were infectious disease experts and epidemiologists that came out within, like, two weeks of when COVID started. That was called the Great Barrington Declaration. They said, listen, healthy people need to go back to work, do their thing, let it run through them, Immunocompromised older people need to stay home. We don't need to sacrifice everything in the world for this, and we're going to see how that works out. It never happened, obviously. We everyone freaked out and panicked and locked everything down. The rest is history. But even now, with this new variant, what the, what the Omicron variant has done is it's turned upside down all the common thoughts of COVID. Of the you know, if you're vaccinated, you won't get it. Well, we, we, you know that's not true now. You know, the, the 80 percent of the country has at least one dose of the vaccine. That's people five or older. Now we're up to almost 80 percent. And yet cases are at a million nearly per day. The highest they were in the Delta spike or the original spike were about 300,000 per day nationally in the U.S. Now we're at a million. Like, you can't keep saying, well, this is just the unboosted or unvaccinated people that are causing it. No, it's not. <laughs> no. There, that is, a, that is a, a point of reference with no scientific data. And the very few studies they have that isn't just interpreting real world statistics were done like pre-Delta. I mean, when they talk about all oh, the master effective, that was – pre-Delta, Delta was like 70 times more transmissible than original COVID. And then this variant is like hundreds of times more than Delta was. Like all these things they tell you never have a real hard scientific backing. The real hard scientific truth now is whether you're boosted or vaccinated or not, you're going to get it. So if you want to roll the dice and not be vaccinated, that's on you. 
rest of us are going back to real life because we know the vaccines are pretty they're, they're pretty safe you know it seems to be they're pretty safe no one's just dropping like flies and no one people that are vaccinated are dying at a lower rate than people that aren't so there is no reason to be sitting here hiding in our basements and triple boosting because the reality is these players are all in the shape of their lives and Kyrie Irving is no more of a danger than Rudy Gobert who's probably double vaxxed boosted and had it twice now they are one and the same. They are the equal risk to everyone around them. There is no difference at this point. I mean, there are studies uh, or data out of places like Israel. Israel is a good um, benchmark because they are one of the most vaccinated countries on earth. I mean, boosters are now mandatory. Remember that conspiracy theory that boosters would be mandatory and you know now they are? Um, oh, Martin McCary at Johns Hopkins, yep, he's yep. quoted uh, the uh, Israel over the past week. The most new cases are from people who are triple vaccinated. And then the second most are double vaccinated. And the least amount of new cases are no vax at all. Now, they do think that maybe has some deal with natural immunity and some such, sure. But the reality is, at this point, there's no stopping it. There's no slowing the spread. This variant is going to do what it's going to do. We've seen it in plenty of other countries. We've seen it in South Africa. We've seen it in the UK. It's going to do what it's going to do, and then it's going to move on. And that's it. It's a mild cold for most people. Yes, some people are still dying. Yes, people who have comorbidities need to keep up with it. But doing this with sports is just the most unscientific thing. And hey, you know, the NBA wants to do this their own product and have five-man lineups of people you've never heard of. And we're getting people like Lance Stevenson, 10-day contracts. I mean, sure. I mean, if that's what you want, sure. But the, the reality is going to hit them like a brick sooner or later. The NFL already said, we're, we're kind of over this. We're moving on. We're going to the playoffs. We're going to have fun. NBA, y'all want to freak out, whatever. But the reality is going to catch up more than the ability for this little plan and policy to actually work. And it's not going to work for them, but Hey, they want to do it. It's going to work as long as the players put up with it or the NBA puts up with a lackluster product. Well, that's the thing. And that's the thing uh, that we've seen, you know, recently we've seen the NBA and, and the NFL, both leagues have started to pivot because you have the whole, Oh man, Omicron, are, are we shutting down again? And both leagues have basically said, uh, no, we're not. Now, what I would say is the, the you know, most probably fundamental reason that they won't shut down and they'll never say it is because of all the money they would lose. They've already done that once. They're not doing that again. Right. But what, 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 I'm, what I'm starting to see now is like, okay, so we're going to, we, we still got a protocol. We're just going to modify things. And it's like we said at the very first, at, at, the, at the top of the show with Aaron Rodgers and who is it? Uh, Bub Hub, Bub Hub, or whoever, whoever uh, yeah, the dude was that, that yeah, you know, the bum. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's the, uh, it's the COVID morality test. Both the NBA definitely, you know, at this point is trying to, you know, still put on the show that like, Oh, we're good people. And we, we're wearing masks and we're vaccinating and boosting and all the rest of it. But at the same time, I can, the one thing about the NBA to just tell me how it's not theater to where, when is the last time you saw Monty Williams at a basketball game and his mask was not on his chin? You I, tell me, tell, please help me un, again, help me understand. You cannot say, okay, everybody wear a mask and you, and you've seen it. You've seen it. Like at one point, every, the coaches, all the coaches had to wear masks. And then all of a sudden, magically, you know, Mike Budenholzer, uh, his face is showing, but Monty Williams is still doing the chin mask thing. And he's they still take doing it off to yell and they put it back on after but they get Mon yelling. But Monty Williams, yeah, exactly. But Monty Williams right. never even bothers wearing his. It's just on his chin. So I just, some of it's theater. Some of it's all, I mean, to me, it's like the NBA and the PR, the PR department, like, okay, we, we're still gonna, uh, I know we're tired of this. And at some point, the part about the players, at some point, the players have just got to say, okay, 
guys, enough of this. I'm sick of getting tested. I'm sick of my Q-tips being stuck up my nose. Like, how many more shots do you need? And how, at, at some point, like, when the fourth shot becomes available, what do you even call that? Is that, can you call that, can you have a booster to the booster? Do you call it the closer? What do you call it? But I'm dead serious about this. You're, I'm, you're starting to see boost. You know how we have vaccine mandates and all that? And they're going through the Supreme Court. We have all that. There will be booster mandates at some point. There absolutely will. The CDC has already changed the language from boosted to are you up to date, which then right. removes the finality of all this. It just runs for an indefinite amount of time. And by the way, for most people, there's not a lot of good evidence that boosters are all that effective. Older people, yes. We do compromise, yes. It seems like you probably should keep up on it if that's your thing. But yeah, it's 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 an endless thing and i think the bottom line is these these institutions and these people in power don't want to let it go because it's a good excuse to do whatever you want to do under the guise of public health public safety blah blah blah, blah. but i think at the end of the day the reality is going to win out and all these cases are going to keep spiking regardless and they're going to be forced back into reality whether they like it or not you gotta think and you gotta think at some point omicron the way it, as fast as it's moving, that will that will get us to herd immunity. That's what that's it, what I would say. It very well should. And we've seen in other countries like South Africa, it spiked like crazy and then it, pff, it dropped right back off and that was it. So hopefully that's the case. But anyway, guys, it's going to conclude today's Drink of Wisdom. I am Cody Ward. And I'm Jay Wise. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>